worked uh, the year before and just came into this year with a different mindset. Well, as the breakout player of training camp, I don't think that there's any doubt that, that you were the wide receiver that got the most uh, among the most attention, but how have you handled all extra attention because you got a lot more media. You're here to start the Cowboys hour for us. How have you personally handled all of that? Uh, I mean, taking it take, uh, with a grain of salt, honestly. Uh, like I say, I try to stay in the neutral and not get too high, get too low. Obviously, uh, God blessed me with the talent and ability to be able to perform how I did this preseason, and he's given me everything that I, I have to this point. And so uh, you have to stay humble with everything that you provided. And so just being able to stay humble and uh, continue to work for him and work for you know myself and his team is something that I'm focused on not really you know the outside attention that I'll be receiving for it and so uh, the same way that I got it it can be taken from me and so just continuing to work and, and thank God every day for blessing me with the talent and ability to be able to do this. And I think you're going to have to get used to it, Jalen. <laughs> no, we're really looking forward to a great season for you. But um, last year with the not playing that first game, how did you handle that mentally? And you, like Brad said, you just had such an outstanding offseason and, and training camp. How did you take what at the beginning of last year uh, was a more humbling experience and then just come out on top? Uh, yeah, no, it definitely was a humbling experience. Uh, I went from being, you know, that guy in college to coming here and not being able to dress for my first, you know, for our first NFL game. And so uh, I think it didn't hit me until later, a couple of weeks after, just because I, I, in my head I felt like it was like, okay, well, maybe I can do something more, you know, after this week and next week of practice to, to put myself in a different position, but it wasn't that case. And so, uh, honestly, it was hard. It was a lot of emotions that I had to deal with, and I got down on myself a lot. I uh, got down confidence-wise and started questioning myself and a lot of things, and, you know, I was able to build myself back up throughout the season with a lot of self-evaluation and talking with, you know, guys like T.Y. Hilton that came on. Uh, James Washington was there. He was next to me in the locker, just talking with him, and obviously, you know, MG and Dak and CD played a lot of and helping me grow and process you know what was going on and you know just continuing like I said I did a lot of self-evaluation so I started you know paying more attention to what I felt like I could work on myself without the coaches having to speak on it and uh, just grew from there. Yeah but I think that's an interesting dynamic within a wide receiver room or any position group on an NFL team because in training camp you're competing for playing time and a guy like uh, Jalen Brooks is coming in or Dennis Houston who did start the first game last year as a rookie and so you're competing but yet you're cooperating because you're teammates and you want what's best for the team so how within the wide receiver room do you uh, balance that competition and cooperation? Uh, I mean honestly it's hard, but it's one of those deals where, you know, I will never wish down on anybody. I will never, you know, not want one of my brothers to succeed. And so having Dennis be able to be the one that started last year and, you know, he came in undrafted was special. You know, he, he started his path a different way than I started mine. And we all have our path. We all have different things that we deal with in life and deal with on and off the field. And so uh, you can't compare yourself to other people's successes. And so I, I knew that. And, you know, like I said, I got more down on myself and not mad at, you know, the situation. It was more just about myself. You know, I, I require more out of myself and I'm hard on myself. And so it was more about me. It wasn't about the other people around me that were doing the things that I knew that I could do or wanted to do. It was just about supporting them as, as hard and much as I could until my opportunity came and uh, just continuing to grow from that.
We're on the Cowboys Hour, the first Cowboys Hour of the season, and we are at Cane Rosso in the Star District, and uh, the Cowboys star, uh, receiver Jalen Tolbert is our special guest this week. Back before talking about mental health was uh, something that people were very much willing to do long before that. You're a baseball guy. Uh, one of my favorite quotes in sports is uh, Yogi Berra, the great Yankee star who said, or at least he's alleged to have said, 90% uh, of this game is 50% mental. And uh, th this is uh, the part of it that I would think people forget about. Last year, it wasn't just that you didn't play well. You got hurt real early in training camp, like day two? Yeah, yeah, OTAs. Uh, I tweaked it, and then training camp, I kind of did it Hamstring? Again. Yeah, my, my hamstring. Okay, so, so it happened in OTAs. It lingered mm -hmm. uh, all through the spring, so you virtually didn't really have a spring. I, I look at a little bit what uh, uh, Luke Schoonmaker has been going through, and, and we'll, we can talk about that later, but he didn't have OTAs. He, and so you didn't have that last year, and you did not get on the field during preseason either, as I recall, did you? No, I did. I played to a certain extent. Uh, I played more like first half, but it was still, you know, I was still in my head about I could still feel a little bit of, you know, what I was feeling early on, and it was one of those things that, I, you know, I knew I had to play. I knew that I had to do what I had to do to be out there, and so uh, I was just trying to, trying to do what I could. So th this is so multi-layered, and I love these conversations. Um, there's a difference, especially at this level of competition, between being injured and hurt, right? You have to play hurt in the NFL. You just do. Yeah, for sure. Being injured is, is bad for your health and bad for your long-term longevity, right? So what you had last summer, was that it? Were you hurt or were you injured? I was hurt. I, I hurt my hamstring. I pulled it, and then uh, Maya came back too fast. Who knows? And like I said, it's, it's definitely not an excuse for anything that happened or how it happened last year. But uh, I was in my head about that. A hamstring injury is something that uh, I think, like you said, is very mental because you, your body feels like it's good, but you can still feel, you know, achiness or whatever you felt kind of before is obviously not as bad as it was when you first did it, but you can still, you, you know, it's there. And so, you know, I had that in the back of my head as well, you know, and then obviously on top of that, you know, thinking about everything that I had to think about on the field was, you know, I was doing a lot of thinking for, you know, instead of just playing. And so it was one of those deals where, like I said, I wasn't playing as fast as I should have been playing. And I, I love it in football. The, the personnel people and coaches always say they want smart players and then they don't want them to think because you have to just react, right? You just, no, you just have to play. So at what point have you seen have – you, did you talk to Michael Gallup about this last year? He, you could, everybody can see what he's like now, saw what he was like before he got hurt. That's not who he was last year. He, he didn't trust his knee yet. He wasn't all the way back. You kind of shared that, didn't you? Not really trusting an important part of your body, important part of your game. Uh, yeah, and obviously his is way, way, way more than mine. But, uh, you know, I did talk with, with MG a lot last year, uh, even from the situation of me not playing as much as I wanted to or, you know, and obviously I practice with these guys and talk with them and build bonds with them throughout the year. And so MG was one of the guys that I talked with a lot. Um, and he told me kind of how his situation played out and, you know, what he was going through, obviously, with his knee and 
after the season, uh, we just continued to, I stayed up here and, and worked and we continued to grow kind of together. And, you know, we went eight together, went and got crawfish and, you know, just did some stuff that, you know, obviously continue to build that, that, that bond with the guys on the team. And so having MG to talk to, obviously, as he was going through something like he was, was uh, big for me as well. Is, is crawfish better for a hamstring or a, uh, an ACL? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure which one. I don't one. know. Crawfish the best, though. <laughs> I'm not sure which one it helps the most. Um, when during – I'm guessing the regular season started and you're trying to tell yourself – I, I, yeah, I know it doesn't feel right, but we can do this. We can play with this. And they were saying something different, which is why you didn't dress. And uh, that, that had to – at what point did you then say, uh, I've got to approach this differently? Uh, I think I knew that I could, I could play, obviously, and I knew that my hamstring could hold up. It was just at that point it was later than it should have been for me to, um, to, to catch on board. Uh, offensively and stuff because at the same time that I was going through that I wasn't getting the special team reps or doing any of the stuff at practice I, I had limitations to a certain extent of GPS numbers and stuff that where I was held back just so that I wouldn't redo it and so obviously I was doing a lot more watching and you know processing than I was actually doing the the reps and stuff and so uh, me going into the year I think once it did that it was more of me trying to play catch up to a certain extent and then like I said, when I when I was playing catch up, it's a lot of thinking and a lot of obviously emotions after not dressing the first two weeks, and then a lot of you know thinking of plays and disguises and coverages and all type of stuff that I shouldn't you know have to be thinking about. Just go out there and, and play. When Jalen says GPS numbers, uh, we're going to pull uh, the curtain behind the scenes on what happens at practice, and that is you guys in your shoulder pads. There are computer chips. There's data and the football analytics people, there's literally guys at the edge of the end zone with a card table and a laptop. And what, what are they measuring? What are they, what are they looking at? Uh, it's a handful of things. I think it's foot speed, acceleration, uh, miles, how, many, you know, how far you run, how much you run, the load that you have. And so uh, obviously Coach, Coach and them were monitoring me, and you know, I'm appreciative of it. Uh, like I said, I don't, I, don't, I don't regret anything that happened last year because it made me, you know, stronger and better on and off the field. But uh, Coach and them were, were monitoring me. And, you know, once I hit a certain mark on a GPS number, uh, you know, I actually had talked with him at one point. He was like, you put your cleats in the ground pretty good so my numbers, you know, can get high. And he didn't know how much that I could handle outside of, you know, obviously my injury that I had. And so uh, once I got close to that mark or whatever, sometimes I would come to practice and it'd be like, you're 25% less reps today. You're in GPS probation. And, you know, <laughs> and, and that's just, you know, I get GPS probation and the next day I can go out and, and do it. And so, like I said, it was some days where I did a lot of, you know, just standing and watching. And obviously when you, you're watching and not being able to do, it's harder. I mean, it looks good on paper, but then when you're watching it flow and run in front of you, it's kind of, you know, you got to pick up fast. And so, like I said, it was just last year I did a lot of thinking that I shouldn't have, shouldn't have, shouldn't have had to do. Uh, Tom Landry and Vince Lombardi are turning over in their graves right now thinking about players being on GPS probation. It's not the same game, even though it's very much the same game. We are delighted to have all of you with us with Cowboys receiver Jalen Tolbert on the first Cowboys hour of the season. And 
Albertsons. When it comes to shop for tailgate favorites, go to Albertsons and Tom Thumb. Get 10% off your groceries every Dallas Cowboys game day when you wear your Cowboys jersey. Albertsons and Tom Thumb, the official supermarket and pharmacy of the Dallas Cowboys. And we're going to put Jalen Tolbert's last season completely behind us and go into the good news of this season when we come back on the Cowboys Hour. Tom Thumb. Supported by Albertsons. Welcome back. We're at Connie Rosso in the Star District for this first Cowboys Hour of the season. We'll be here for the first four shows of the year, so you can count on being back with us next week. I'm Brad Sham with Christy Scales. We want to say hello to all our listeners across the Dallas Cowboys radio network, everybody on DallasCowboys.com. Welcome to those listening on 
Double T 97.3 in Lubbock. And for those of you on uh, 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star, happy Tuesday. It's a long story, but well, I'll explain it to some of the rest of you later on. Uh, so we're talking to Jalen Tolbert about the great uh, off-season that he's had, and really in many ways it feels like your career is about to begin, right? And ironically, the, the position depth is greater. Now, you're part of the reason for that, but Brandon Cooks wasn't here a year ago. As we just mentioned, uh, Michael Gallup wasn't last year who he is now. So at what point do you feel like you realized that you had gotten over the mental hurt? You mentioned T.Y. Hilton. My recollection is he didn't, he didn't get here till December. Yep. So uh, had you already... In your head, had you cleared the hurdle you needed to clear before he got here, or how much did he help you get over that? Uh, T.Y. was was definitely a, a big part and a help for, for me last season when he came in. But I think uh, I started to clear that, that hurdle and start, you know, practicing at a, at a faster level and doing less thinking and just doing what I, what I knew that I could do at practice. And, I mean, MG even would tell me, like, bro, you killing, you know, CD and all the guys would tell me. And so it was just one of those deals, though, where it's like, I mean, it's later in the season, so it's late. And so, uh, like I said, I just was practicing hard as I could, doing, like I said, doing a lot of self-evaluation, so watching myself, uh, what I was doing against the guys, because obviously I was doing more scout than I was doing offense. And so what I was doing against our defense, and like I said, it just grew, continued to grow my confidence from there. And obviously, once the season was over, I had the opportunity to really go and and build that mental back all the way back up in my confidence and uh, like I said, Ty did a, did an outstanding job of showing me how to you know take notes and you know I, I I'm like a sponge so I, you know I started playing football late and so with these guys that have been successful at this league for in this league for a long time uh, anything that I can take off of them I'm gonna take off of them and so you know he taught me about note taking a little bit of note taking and. Um, I mean, he, we would have talks about how his career started, and he would tell me, like, little bro, you're going to be straight. Like, you, you're going to be good. And like I said, just hearing that confidence of a successful wide receiver and a guy that has been in the league for, you know, 10-plus years and what he's done and what he, what he has seen telling me that, I, you know, he sees a lot in me is, you know, obviously a confidence booster and then just continuing to grow on that going into the offseason. You mentioned your career started late. I think you're talking about high school, multi-sport yep. star, basketball and baseball in particular. And uh, from Mobile, Alabama, let's talk about that journey from Mobile and then South Alabama and here to the Dallas Cowboys. So why was it a late start to your football career? Did you enjoy the other sports more <laughs> back then? Or? I definitely did. Did uh, you think you were going to be a Major League Baseball player? I definitely did, 100%. Uh, so I, I actually didn't start playing football until 11th grade, um, uh, and I got my first offer going into to that year. And I still remember uh, when I got it, I was it was Jacksonville State, and I had just came back from Perfect Game in Atlanta. It's where you can go and play, you know, a big tournament, uh, East Point, and so uh, well Lake Point, and then. I was at the camp watching my cousin, and the coach comes up. He's like, why aren't you camping? I was like, you know, I don't have $80 right now to pay for a camp. We just came from Atlanta playing, you know, perfect game. And he was like, go get your cleats. I'll put you to work. So I actually went and got cleats and went out there and ran a couple routes, and they offered me. And that was my first football offer. And uh, like I said, I really just continued to grow 
with the friend group that I had in, in high school. All of those guys were football players, including my best friend and quarterback, uh, Bubba Thompson, that plays baseball. And so, uh, you know, we would go hit in the cages, and then he'd be like, hey, let's go throw. And, you know, I'd go out there and throw and catch. And like I said, I just continued to, to build that bond with them, those guys to a dip, deeper level with football. And so I just kept going and started playing. And, you know, it was fun. and started, you know, falling in love with the competitive mindset that you had to have to play the game of football. And so uh, just continued to grow upon it and, and get good as I could going into, you know, my freshman year itself. And then, obviously, uh, I went to South. My freshman year had an injury. Uh, it sat me down. And so after that injury, I came back. And it was one of those deals where it was one of the confidence things as well. You know, I came back from – uh, a knee injury and you know similar it wasn't similar uh, ACL or anything but it was had some some cartilage that chipped and they had to fix it and so um that mental side of of an injury especially is is real and so uh being able to to conquer that and go and build on my career that I had there was special for me as well and it kind of started similar to you know here I didn't get much my freshman year and then after that it just you know started rising and continue to grow from there and like I said I'm still learning the game to this day yeah but South Alabama was not your original option Jacksonville State they were going to let you play baseball yeah Jacksonville State and I actually uh other people don't know this I actually committed to Michigan State and then the day before signing or the day of signing day that morning I called uh, coach D'Antonio I was going to actually play baseball and football at Michigan State and I called Coach D'Antonio that morning and told him that I was going to flip and stay home at South and play both sports. And so that was my goal of going to South Alabama. Wait, wait, what changed your mind from going to Michigan State? Did you uh, check the weather when they're playing baseball? <laughs> no, nah, I didn't. But uh, Coach D'Antonio was kind of iffy about me playing baseball. It was one of those deals where he gave me the option of, uh, like, hey, you you know, it, it depends on how you're doing with, with football. And I had, you know, some people – that were telling me don't stop playing baseball. You have an opportunity to get drafted and do, you know, certain things. And so I actually did a pre-draft, couple pre-draft workouts out of high school to, to go into the draft. So I entered it out of high school and, you know, had an assistant that, you know, in baseball out of high school, you don't get agents, you get assistants. And so he was, you know, helping me. And I, you know, went to Atlanta and did some stuff for actually the Rangers as well. And so having that in my head was – you know, obviously, like, if I go there and play football and, you know, who knows how it will go uh, and I'm not able to play baseball, then I'm selling myself short. And so uh, I decided to stay home where they were – they they obviously is home. My parents could go to every home game, uh, have home-based home support, and then able to play both sports and whichever one was giving me the most benefit, taking and run with it. And so that's how I decided to go to South Alabama. Yeah, but I heard Rangers in there. So <laughs> we've seen how they've played the last couple of weeks. I mean, we, you know, Brad's uh, Brad's tight with the Rangers and maybe Chris Young, the GM, we can give a call there. So what position? Uh, well, yeah, I played the outfield. Yeah. You were there an you outfield. Go, yeah. Yeah. I, bet, I bet you had a gun. You could just. <laughs> I could run yeah. in an, an outfield. Five-tool five player. Good, yeah. well, five you, tool. you mentioned Bubba Thompson. Of course, he's in the Rangers system. He mm -hmm. had what in baseball they call a cup of coffee with them last year and I know you stay in very close touch with him how has he handled the uncertainty of major leagues minor leagues and how has his experience in baseball helped you with your young journey in the NFL uh, I think it's one of those things where we work hand-in-hand hand off of each other. Obviously, uh, that's my best friend, and we talk every single day. I was on FaceTime with him earlier today. And so, uh, obviously, knowing his situation and how it was going, and obviously he knows my situation. And so, uh, just being able to have somebody that actually is in the professional sport world and understands, you know, 
the work that you put in, and obviously it might not you know might not get the benefit or the the you know attention for it right now, but just continuing to keep doing and keep doing it, and just having that also that guy that you can talk to outside of your sport uh, about you know like I said, he'll talk to me about his where his hands are when he's batting, and you might want to put him higher or lower, and I'll talk to him about you know route running or something, and just having that 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 close friend that you can you know talk with and. Like I say, our situations weren't the same, but they were similar to a certain extent. And so having him to talk with and get over the mental humps as well with, with, with is big for me. So um, if you're an NFL player and you're mostly on the bench, you're still making a pretty good living, even, <laughs> even at a rookie minimum. If you're a minor league baseball player on a minor league contract, you're not making that kind of living. No, and sure. you're riding buses and you're not staying – <laughs> in the same kind of hotels and everything else. So um, how does Bubba deal with that? And how has that helped you and kind of evaluate your own football situation? Uh, obviously, it's a blessing to be, be in both of our situations. And I think uh, Bubba and I both know that it's beauty in a journey. And so if you're not where you want to be right now, uh, you keep working until you get there. And so uh, he's not going to harp on, you know, the money that he was making in minor league. He's blessed to be you know, in AAA, he could be in single A, he could be not playing, he could be anywhere else doing anything else. And so uh, take what you have at the moment. And like I said, when it's your time, it's going to happen. And so just continuing to, I think we both understand that. And like I said, it's beauty in a journey. So his journey, you know, obviously is not over and he, he will continue to work for, you know, what he will earn. So here's the real question. Would you rather catch the winning touchdown pass in the Super Bowl or drive in the winning run in the seventh game of the World Series? Uh, I mean, I think I would rather drive in the winning run in the World Series just because that's outside of my sport, and so I'll be a dual-sport athlete at that point. Okay. Uh, uh, Jalen, your your paycheck is is paid by Jerry Jones. Yeah, that's so we're going to give you a second can, pass on this, can, on this on this question. Would you say, rather catch the winning? No, nah, but I, I mean, I definitely, no. I definitely would, would rather do both. But if, like I said, if I'm able to, you know, obviously yeah. if I'm able yeah. to have a good career right now in the NFL and then that, that happens, I mean, I'll be doing something hey. good at both sports. Guys Deion Sanders it. did it. Deion Bo Sanders. Jackson yeah. did it. Guys, guys have done it. We are on the Cowboys Hour with uh, the Cowboys' Jalen Tolbert. Uh, at Cane Rosso in the Star District, and we'll be right back.
the official bootmaker of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. I'm Christy Scales, Cowboys radio sideline reporter, co-hosting with the voice of the Dallas Cowboys, Brad Sham. And our guest is Jalen Tolbert, number 18, Cowboys second year wide receiver, the breakout star of training camp, ready for a breakout regular season. And Jalen, uh, even though today was Labor Day and hopefully most folks had the day off, it was game plan installation, getting ready for the regular season opener Sunday night in prime time at the New York Giants. And I'd love for you to talk about the challenges of preparing for a season opener against a Giants secondary that's going to have two starting cornerbacks that are rookies. So um, there's a, a wrinkle there. You haven't seen them play, except maybe a little bit in preseason um, on uh, film. But Coach McCarthy said something interesting in his press conference today that even when it's a common opponent like the Giants that you know what their Wink Martindale, their uh, defensive coordinator, kind of what to expect to him, of him, week one has about 35% of plays that are unscouted looks meaning you're not quite sure, you're not replicating in practice what you think you're going to see on Sunday. So what, what are the unique challenges for this season opener? Uh, I think the unique challenges uh, are just being yourself. Obviously, you know what your identity as a team can be or is, and uh, I think you have to focus more on yourself and doing, doing your job to the best of your ability right now because uh, – like you said, it's a lot of unscouted looks. And so, you know, just going out there and winning your one-on-one -on -one routes or winning, winning your one-on-one, -on -one, whether you're an old lineman, wide receiver, defensive end, whatever it is. And uh, obviously, as the game goes on, you will see un and understand what, what they're trying to do or what their plan was. And so you can go from there. But early on, it's, I mean, until week four, it's going to be unscouted looks. And, you know, a lot of stuff will be different from what you think it will be. And so it's about focusing more on yourself and, not the opponent. It's about just doing what you know you can do and, and going out there and putting your best foot forward. So if that focus is on your own identity, what is the identity of the offense this year? Because that's been one of the storylines of the offseason and, and training camp is with Coach McCarthy calling the plays. What should Cowboys fans expect this year? Uh, I mean, they should expect tempo, physicality, and obviously, like I said, you know, it's a, it, it's a passing offense. And so going out and having some shots and having fun with the ball in the area. So uh, that's what, you know, we're, we're looking forward to on offense. And obviously defense is, is a, a gritty group, and we have, a, we have a, a heck of a defense. And so they're just going out there and, you know, playing the defense that they've been able to play the past couple years. And so uh, having, having us play hand-to-hand -hand off of each other will be special. And so that's what we're looking forward to doing. Something that you just said about winning your one-on-one -on -one battles, um, clicked something in my head about a uh, conversation that I was having with C.J. Goodwin today. And I, a lot of Cowboy fans don't pay close enough attention to C.J. Goodwin. I maintain if they, if they had seasonal captains, it's not the way Mike McCarthy likes to do it, but if they had seasonal captains, C.J. Goodwin would be the captain of the special teams. Right? Definitely, for sure. Okay. So he said, well, first, hold on to what he said. You mentioned special teams a little bit ago, and you didn't really have a chance to even do that last year. I'm guessing it at uh, South Alabama, you didn't play a whole lot of special teams, did you? When you were when you were setting all the receiving records? <laughs> no, I never played a snap. I caught punts one, two times, or well, for one game and one and a half of a, another just for safe point. I was told to not return it, just <laughs> give give us the ball back. And so uh, that was my special team experience in, in college. And so coming here and you know, learning the special teams was, was new for me as well. So um, 
Let's talk about special teams for a minute because you're going to be playing teams this yep. year. Except that um, there's not much kickoff. You know, everybody's kicking the ball out of the end zone, <laughs> or now they kick off return team can, can fair catch it. And I'm not sure. I mean, you have to practice it, right? But I'm not sure how much you really get to do on the kickoff team. So tell me about that first. And then, and then let's talk about how really punt and punt return, that's, that's the meat and potatoes of the special teams now, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, kickoff, like you said, usually if you're indoors, for sure, the ball will probably get kicked out of the end zone. And uh, depending on the weather and wind and where you're playing at, uh, the ball might die. And so you might have an opportunity to put some in play or be able to make tackles. And so uh, one thing that Bones expresses to us and – and and stand strongly on is just run so like you never know what a team might have or their uh their idea of you know maybe we're going to want to return to this game so just run and like i mean obviously kickoff is majority one-on-one battles as well so just run use your speed use your physicality and if they bring the ball out then make a play and so uh we have the same mindset whether we're inside or outside uh so I mean, it's one of those deals where it's just like you never know what can happen, so be be ready so that if it does happen that you're not caught off guard where it's like, oh, I thought he was going to fair catch it or I thought he was going out of the end zone. Like, you just race down there and run full speed, and uh, if they if they blow it off, then see who gets to the end zone first. And it's funny you mentioned CJ. Me and him raced to the end zone on kickoff a couple times in preseason. Uh, you know, he's a, he's smoky, so he beat me. But I, was I mean, he, he's 10 years in the league. Yeah. He still yeah. runs yeah. pretty good. Yeah, really uh, does. for sure, for yeah. sure. And so, uh, but obviously, like you said, punt and punt return will be our, our bread and butter. Uh, and so having those two, two phases of special teams clicking on all cylinders will be special for us because obviously we have, you know, Terp as a returner and he can do anything with the ball in his hands. And then obviously we have Banger that, that can punt the ball, you know, like no other. And so – uh, being able to down the ball deep in, uh, you know, in enemy territory and then being able to return it out of there will be special for our offense and defense. Uh, Banger, I had to stop for a minute. That's Brian Anger. Yeah. That's yeah. B. Anger. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, CJ said something to me that I think I'd heard him say before, but I'd love to have your thoughts about it. Now, CJ Goodwin was a cornerback by trade. He came in the league as a cornerback, so, and he's been here six years now. Somewhere along the line, he just developed into such a good special teams player that it really, unless he was going to be a, an all-pro corner, it didn't matter. They needed him too much on teams, and that's where he is now. So I consider him a, a kind of an expert, and when he talks, I, I listen. And he said something that really intrigued me. He said, special teams is the purest part of football, especially in the NFL, because it's you can't scheme it like you do you can scheme, but things happen. Like you said, they break down. He said, that's all about want to on special teams. Would you, you're not in your, your head, yes. Would you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously stuff never goes the way that you want it to go. Uh, I mean, the wind can kick the ball down and it, you know, returner can muff it. You can get viced out of bounds by the two, two zeros on the outside of Gunner. You could slip running down, you know, somebody, anything can happen on special teams. And it's one of those deals where you don't, it's no plays on special teams. It's just, you know, go and attack. Like if you're a Gunner, it's not a play where it's like run to the hash and then run back out this way and then turn this way. Like, I mean, it's get down there fast as you can and make a play. 
kickoff return, you I mean, they tell you who to block and you block him. It's one on ones all over the field. There's never, you know, it's never real plays or schemes that you really draw up and and so uh, I think, you know, what he said is true. You just go out there and you just play. And it's one of those deals where you can really slow the game down for yourself by special teams by just going out there and playing. It's not a lot to think about. It's not a lot to, to really worry about. But making the play and doing your 111. When you mentioned Bones a few minutes ago, I think most Cowboys fans know that that's John Fossil, the Cowboys special teams coordinator. But I think he has the hardest job on the staff because there's so much turnover year to year on special teams and guys who didn't play in college like yourself because you were the star, whatever position, uh, skill position, and then now suddenly you're thrust into it at the NFL level. But um, when I was talking with uh, John and with CJ before training camp, it's like who are going to be the guys to replace the unsung heroes of this team, the Luke Gifford, who was such a core guy on special teams and left in free agency as with the Tennessee Titans. And they're mentioning guys, for example, Tyler Coyle, who ended up not making the 53-man roster out of camp. Who should Cowboy fans be paying attention to who you think can emerge as the real core guys on teams this year? In addition to, of course, Turpin, who gets all yeah, the no, publicity sure. as the return uh, man. Wanye Thomas, for sure, is a, a big special guy. Even last year, obviously, he didn't make the team and was a practice squad player. And, I mean, that guy practices hard, plays hard, runs fast, does everything that's asked of him. So, uh, Wanye is going to be a special player uh, on special teams and, and in the safety position uh, or whatever is really asked of him as well. And then uh, I think Devin Harper is another one. Uh, he didn't get a lot of – playing time last year as well but uh obviously he's probably most likely had a lot of special teams reps uh in college and then once he got here he played special teams early on until he was uh injured and so uh the work that he's put in on all four phases this year has been special to see uh and i think is uh israel i think is another guy that will be a good special teams guy to have on all cylinders and so those three guys are, are guys that stand out to you uh as teammates that you watch and watch how they practice and watch how they move on special teams, especially me being a young guy, you know, you'll look for these guys to see like, okay, I see how he's doing it. Oh, I like what he did here. So, you know, you can try it out. But those are, those are guys that, that have really caught my attention. When you got here, not, having not played teams in college, and everybody said, now remember, your way to get on the field is special teams. What were you thinking to yourself at that point when you heard that? Uh... In college, uh, I mean, I asked, especially my last year, because I knew what I had to put on film and what I needed to do to or know to, to play at this next level outside of, you know, the one or two receiver. Uh, but it was just something that they weren't not going to let happen. And so I, um, I really got here and I was in every meeting. And like I said, I, I asked questions. I was around and it was one of those deals where uh, I had to learn, you know, the ins and outs of every position and where you go and what's asked of that position and just continue to watch. It was a lot of watching and learning and asking questions. And so uh, when I first got here, it was a lot to pick up as well on special teams just because I've never, ever done it before. And so uh, me going out there and just, you know, trying to play was also one of the hard things for me to do on special team because like you, like we talked about, special teams is something that you shouldn't think on. But if you've never done it before and you're not really sure what you're doing, it, it, it's easy to think of <laughs> think of things that you should be doing or did you do this or, you know, what could be what could happen. And so, uh, like I said, I went through that as well uh, last year playing special teams when I did get the opportunity to play. 
The Cowboys Hours, proudly supported by Papa John's, better ingredients, better pizza. Papa John's, the official pizza of the Dallas Cowboys. We are at Cane Rosso in the Star District with Jalen Tolbert of the Cowboys, and we'll be right back. If you've got a question for Jalen and you're driving around in your car, that's going to be tough to handle. But if you're here, hold your hand up and we'll get a microphone around to you. We'll be back with Jalen Tolbert in just a moment. To the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour, supported by Albertsons. And welcome back to Cane Rosso in the Star District on the Cowboys Hour. First of the season, I'm Brad Sham with Christy Scales from the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network and Cowboys receiver Jalen Tolbert. Before we take a question or two from our audience here at Cane Rosso this evening, I want to go back to, we talked about what T.Y. Hilton meant to you last year. Now, everybody who has been around all spring and summer 
has seen you following Brandon Cooks, and we understand that you've been following him when we couldn't see you. Uh, how'd that start, and what have you gotten from him? Uh, yeah, it started. Uh, obviously, I stayed here um, this offseason and did a lot of training, and did, like I took no trips. I was just straight, you know, work and do it, you know, find a way to get myself better every day. And I was in a facility, met him uh, when he first got traded here, and uh, heck of a dude. Like I met him, I heard a lot from him from uh, my wide receiver coach Robert Prince. He coached him in Houston and uh, gave him my number, and from there, uh, it was one of those deals where it's slowly built into something special uh, as far as a relationship and fellowship that we built together. And uh, it was one of those like, hey, what what do you eat around here? And then I told him, you know, some spots that I like. And then uh, we just continued to grow. Obviously, we went into OTAs and stuff. And we actually, uh, from OTAs, he was asking me, because I think, you know, like I said, I put a lot of work into this offseason. And so he could tell, you know, how prepped and mentally I was on the playbook and where, you know, I was moving around playing all four wide receiver positions. And so uh, if he had questions or we were on the field at the same time, you know, he would ask me early on and I would tell him. And so I think I built his trust in, in that way early on where it was like, hey, remind me again what we have on this play. And then I'll tell him, you know, that. And, you know, we go eat and sit down and talk. And, you know, we went at eight and uh, actually told him, we actually went to D. Lincoln. Uh, he was like, where do you want to eat? And I, you know, I was like, let's go to D. Lincoln. You know, I, I, it was either that or Connie Rosa. <laughs> yeah, it's so, all here in the Star District. Right. Uh, and we went there and uh, it was one of those deals where I told him, you know, we, we talked about my last year season and I told him, you know, how I went and how I felt I could grow from it and be better. And actually uh, one of the coaches that told me, Brandon Cooks told him, you know, he sees a lot in me and I'm like him. And, you know, obviously I had practiced at that point. He was like, he has elite talent. And so uh, I'm going to take care of him. And so that off, you know, he told the coaches he was going to get me to come out to Oregon with him in the offseason. And, you know, he kept his word. And from there, we just, our, our bond and, and relationship has grown. So I went out to Oregon with him and Dak and CD actually came out there as well. Uh, and we threw at Nike and, you know, we just hung out, had real fellowship uh, out there. And like I said, I'm, I went across the globe and was with, you know, Brandon, who I just met. And, you know, like I said, heck of a dude, great leader, great human being, great husband, man. And so uh, watching the way that he processes and works and thinks and processes, you know, not only on the field but off the field as well is is big. And so uh, having a veteran guy like that and mentor to, to follow after that I've never really had in my career, starting late and being at the school that I was at, I never really had somebody that, you know, was above me that took me under their wing or, you know, told me how you should be or how to take care of your body or how you should run this route or do anything. So having somebody like that was is special in, you know, my early football career. I, I want people to uh, pick up on something that I, I think I heard you say. I want to make sure I got it right. Coach Prince, who, as you mentioned, coached him in Houston, mm -hmm. gave him – your number? No, I gave it to him myself in the you, locker room. Okay, and, and then uh, it, so after he, that, but Coach Prince had raved about the type okay. of guy that he was, and was like, like this guy, like he's not gonna be the type of guy that comes in and wants to, you know, step on toes and, you know, wants to think he's better than everybody. Like he's a great guy, so you know, pick his brain or whatever. And like I said, you know, all you had to do is tell me once, and so gave him my number, and you know, started picking his brain a little bit, and from there, just continued to grow our relationship and. Like I said, now, you know, we talk every day, whether we're at the facility or not. D doesn't want to step on any toes. I thought NFL wide receivers were supposed to be divas, huh? No? <laughs> no. It is interesting. How is the dynamic of the wide receiver room different this year? Uh, I think 
we all play off of each other. I think we all know, you know, how special we can be. And so having, you know, CD obviously having a guy like Brandon Cooks on the outside to take the top off and then MG to, to jump ball and CD to do what he does and all play hand in hand off of each other. And then, where you know, I come into play, you know, whatever the role will be for me. And so uh, I think we know that our group can take us far as we want us to take us. And so uh, having each other and, you know, not being selfish within the group and not, you know, being stubborn, you know, whatever somebody can teach you or tell you, you can grow from it. And so uh, I think that we all understand that and look forward to working off each other. And you, like I said, it's been fun so far just from, you know, the little time that we have had together from OTAs to training camp, uh, working off of each other and having that energy boost and competition as well throughout the room. Uh, to, to get better and push us to, to go where we want to go. Before we run out of time, I think we've got a question here in the audience. Hi, Jalen. Nice to see you. Uh, how did Dak help you this year with your new role in the oh, offense? Uh, Dak is an incredible leader, and uh, I don't think he gets enough credit for, for it. And so, uh, he actually, this offseason, he or at the end of the season, he got me a book, and I read a book and annotated it. It's called Relentless by Tim Grover. And I actually sat down with Dak and had lunch, and, you know, we talked about my situation as well. And uh, he, he, he put light into my situation as far as, you know, not everybody should start at the top. You know, starting at the top, you have nowhere to go but down. And, you know, starting at the bottom, it shows you to appreciate, you know, where you are right now and how much better you can be. And uh, having a quarterback and a leader like that that also um, – believes in you as a player and as a person is special and so having him know that you know I have the talent and ability and just putting it together and him working with me this offseason day in and day out whether it was you know at his house or the facility was special and having like I said a leader like that is is very comforting and having him you know to help me with my confidence was special and he played a big part in it as well outside of you know myself and you know the wide receivers and that, and that book uh, Grover so kind of the mental aspect of it was it didn't he work with like Kobe Bryant and yeah, Michael Kobe, Jordan and the Michael like? Jordan, Dwayne Wade, uh, Dwight Howard, a couple other guys as well, and it's a, it's a great read. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's an outstanding read. Relentless, right? I'm yep. just going to go put that in my phone right now. Um, we're almost out of time. Jalen Tolbert, thank you so much. One one last thing. Um, one minute. Can you quantify the excitement for going out and playing a real game that counts and matters? right now with everything that's gone on in the off season? Uh, I mean, like I said, I'm just trying to trying to get out there and do what I can for the team. And uh, I'm definitely excited to go out there and start the new journey with this team and, you know, see, see how far we can take it. And so I'm looking forward to growing on, you know, the season. Obviously, we'll have our highs and lows, but looking forward to building upon everything. Uh, it's been it's been a real joy to watch you throughout the uh, off season because your growth is tangible. You can reach out and touch it. So I'm fired up to watch you once the season starts. Thanks for being with us tonight. Yes, sir. There's Jalen Tolbert, everybody, and uh, for Christy Scales, I'm Brad Sham. We will be right back here at Cane Rosso in the Star District next Monday night, six o'clock live taping, wherever and whenever you're hearing this on the Cowboy Hour. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!